The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Where's my rifle? Where's my gun? This is for Biden. This is for Firearms Friday. Yeah, baby. Firearms on the Michael Duke Show. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is that favored day of the week. Um, uh, it's my favorite day of the week. I mean, isn't it your, I mean, come on, but even though it's not firearms, isn't Friday just kind of one of your favorite days of the week? If you're one of those sick people that's like, oh no, I love Monday. Uh, then, uh, you know, uh, you know, I think the only day that's more forgivable than, than Friday is Sunday. Okay. I mean, you can love Sunday and that's, you know, it's the Lord's day. I'm not going to, not going to begrudge you that, but I got to say that I love Friday best, uh, because, uh, not only do I get a chance to get in on my weekly therapy session, which is, this is my two-hour weekly therapy session. Not only do I get to do that, uh, but of course, it's the uh, the end of the work week, and then I get to go work on my honeydew list, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> it's just out of the fire, out of the frying pan and into the fire, boys. Here we go. Just buckle up, buttercup. Here it comes. Um, anyway, uh, good morning. Good morning to you, my friends. Um, I hope you're, I hope you're, uh, I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you are getting, um, I hope you're getting Christmassy. I hope you're getting your Christmas on. Um, that's, you know, we, we talk about, well, I talk about it every year. I mean, I'm so boring. I talk about the same things every year, but you know, it's, uh, it's, that just means that I'm traditional because I talk about the same things every year. It's not boring. It's traditional. That's what it's, uh, you know, um, the, uh, anyway, um, I, you know, I, I, every Christmas, I always enjoy Christmas. Right. It's always the question of how much do you enjoy Christmas? Because let's face it, sometimes you are in the uh, Christmas mood, right? I mean, sometimes you are just feeling it, you know, you, you feel like, um, you know, you feel like Ebenezer Scrooge on that bright Christmas morning. You feel like. Oh, I'm I'm enlightened again, and life is good, and the and the things that I do understand the re- reason for Christmas, and I mean, you know, you, you, sometimes you just feel it, and sometimes it's just kind of meh. But um, I'm hoping that uh, I'm wishing for you a Christmas that uh, where you feel it in your heart. That's uh, that, and that you know, so every little bit helps. People laugh because <clears throat> in my office. Uh, in Anchorage, uh, at the radio station, I have a big screen TV on the wall for, uh, when we do presentations and stuff in the office or sales meetings or whatever. 
um, when it, right after Thanksgiving, the last few years, I've just been turning the TV to Netflix and turning it to the big, you know, the log fire thing, right? You know what I'm talking about, where you turn your TV into a log fire. And so I turn that on and uh, on repeat and uh, just start playing a little Christmas music in my office. That's, I mean, that's how I try and do it. I'm trying to shoehorn myself into it. Um, <clears throat> and it works mostly. So it's, uh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty darn good about it right now. Feeling pretty good, pretty, da- pretty darn good about the whole Christmas season. I don't know how I sidebarred onto that, but it's Friday. So that's, uh, you know, it's Friday. What do you want? All I want for Christmas is a new Benjamin 50 caliber air rifle. <laughs> you know, two years ago, I probably wouldn't have gotten that reference. I know it's sacrilegious, but I just was never a big fan of the Christmas story, right? You know, and now I now I get the reference, so it's all good. Um, all right, well, it is Firearms Friday, so I suppose we should uh, I suppose we should talk about that um, and uh, and get some get some reactions to what uh, what's coming on and what's going to see uh, what's going to see what's happening around the uh, around the world and around the country. In regards to the Second Amendment of these United States, of course, uh, citizens' right to keep and bear arms uh, discussed there. And that's what Firearms Friday is all about. We're here to demystify the firearm, to uh, try to counteract some of the mainstream media's attentions on that, and um, maybe give you a little bit of you know, I don't know, behind the scenes insight into some of the things that uh, are being talked about and uh, some of the things that are being discussed. So, we're, you know, we're going to try and do that. Now, first things first, though, I guess I should say that uh, one of my favorite parts of uh, of uh, the Second Amendment, of my favorite parts of the Second Amendment, my favorite parts of Firearms Friday, I still haven't had enough coffee yet today. I apologize. My favorite part of Firearms Friday is the chance to talk with you, the listeners. Um, that is a big part of why I do what I do because I want to educate. I, I, I mean, at heart, I want to try and teach people things and to, like I said, demystify the firearm. And the best way to do that is to talk with you one-on-one. Now it's a little, you know, it's a little counterproductive to have you call me at 10 o'clock at night and ask me a bunch of questions. So I decided why not just do it here um, on the radio show. And that way, maybe we can answer a lot of people's questions at once because somebody called in and I'm sure that, you know, some question that you may have on the air may, there may be a lot of people out there that have the same question. And so we're here to answer it. And the best part about gun Q and a, the most important part is that there is no such thing as a dumb gun question. So no matter where you, you know, no matter what, what you think, Maybe we've answered it a million times before. We'll answer it one more time without prejudice and without judgment. So that's what it's all about. Okay. Um, So uh, phone lines are open is what I was trying to say. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. If you would like to sound off or or ask questions or talk about firearms or whatever i'm here for you baby we will talk about it and we'd like to do uh uh, and and we'd love that so 
let's uh, let's let's get to it, shall we? Let's talk about all the 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 stuff, the stuff and things that are going on. First things first. Uh, I think the biggest issue that we uh, are about to have uh, probably has to do with, uh, excuse me, probably has to do uh, with uh, the president's actions in a lame duck session. Uh, now, the president, you know, is uh, uh, been struggling. Well, when does he when does he not struggle? That poor guy. I swear. Uh, the president has uh, struggled with uh how to cope with the different issues and try and get his gun control over the line. Well, he's got a very short window here to try and get things done. And uh, remember when they said that they're not here to take your guns? Remember when that was a talking point that, you know, oh, we're not, you're foolish. Any, they're not here to take your guns. They, you know, and of course, <clears throat> there have been multiple incidents uh, where that has been um, uh, belied or uh, shown to be an absolute falsehood uh, many, many times. Uh, and this is just the latest. President Joe Biden uh, speaking uh, last week um, in uh, over the holiday Thanksgiving, um, uh, over the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, when he spoke to uh, uh, NBC's uh, Dylan Dreyer, and others, the president got right up, and he got right to it. Remember, we're not here to st- we're we're not here to take your guns. The idea that we're not enforcing red flag laws, period, just based on knowledge, not on parents saying or loved ones saying you should arrest this person now for his own sake, is ridiculous. We gotta. One of the first red flag laws in the state of Delaware, my son Bo, is the one enforcing it. And it made a lot of difference. It saved lives. So that's number one. Number two, the idea, the idea we still allow semi-automatic weapons to be purchased is sick. It's just sick. It has no, no social redeeming value. Zero. None. Not a single solitary rationale for it except profit for the gun manufacturer. Can you do anything about gun laws during the lame duck, sir? I'm going to try. What will you try and do? I'm going to try to get rid of assault weapons. During the lame duck? I'm going to do it whenever i I got to make that assessment as I get in and start counting the votes. Uh, Mr. President, you said it. The IT semi. And you notice here how there's two separate components of that. The first being... She just asked him about what is he going to do. He said, I'm going to try to get assault weapons. But rewind 20 seconds earlier, the idea <clears throat> that you can still purchase a semi-automatic firearm is evil, essentially. Now, semi-automatic firearm covers mm, probably 80% of all firearms in existence. We're not talking about just black rifles. We're not talking about just, I mean, that's your, that's your mini 14 ranch rifle. That's your grandpa's M1 Garand. That's your, uh, you know, Colt 1911. That's almost, that's the vast majority of handguns on the market are semi-automatic. The, I mean, you, you just go down the list. This is the gloves are off people. He's got a very short time during the lame duck session to, to 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 do all this stuff uh, before <clears throat> the Republicans take over the House uh, in January. He's got a very, very short window to make all this happen. 
And so you're going to see, um, you, you would see, uh, th- I mean, this is this, you're, you're going to see some real maneuvering going on here in the next, what, eight weeks. And, uh, that is just astonishing. But again, the gloves are off. This is no longer of, oh, nobody's coming to take your guns. Nobody's coming to take your gun. Uh, what? The idea we still allow semi-automatic weapons to be purchased is sick. It's just sick. It's just sick. It's just sick. The idea that we allow semi-automatic weapons to be purchased, you people are... See, it's not that we just have a difference of opinion. It's not just... Because this is all predicated on the fact that they believe that the government knows better than you. That I mean, This is really an extension of the politician's disease. Government knows better how to spend your money, raise your kids, all this other kind of stuff. And this is just a thing. See, anytime you get into an argument with somebody who is a fervent, zealous believer in gun control, the, the thing is, is that any if you disagree with them, it's not because... It, they believe that there is absolutely no, that it is irrefutable that gun control works, even though you could show them time and time and time again that it doesn't, that it hasn't, that it hasn't prevented things, that it hasn't done things. Um, it, you know, it just irrefutable proof. You could show them time and time and time again. And that's why you, you see things like, um, uh, where's the, uh, I, I actually wanted to, I actually, you, you see things like Joy Reid, who lashed out at the Uvalde voters over gun control, Uvalde, Texas, where the shooting at the school occurred. And she, after the election, she just, oh man, you want to talk about talking down to people. We'll talk about this, and we'll uh, we'll discuss this on the other side. But again, the phone lines are open, 907 433 3150-907-433-3150. We'd love to hear from you this morning. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, are you surprised that all of a sudden they said the quiet part out loud? We're not coming for your guns. Oh, man. Selling semi-automatics? That's sick. Sick. It's sick. It, it, I mean, he just right there. It's sick. The idea we still allow semi-automatic weapons to be purchased is sick it's just sick it's just sick the michael duke show common sense liberty based free thinking radio what is that common sense regularly heard on american radio Okay. Oh man. How is uh how are you guys doing this morning? How are you uh um how how are you guys doing? What's going on? Uh my GCI, you guys. You guys are killing me. GCI just the the connectivity this morning. I mean, I'm wired in and everything. That first day, I may, I may have understood that first day. Uh, 
Let's see. Uh-oh, wait, we got somebody in the Twitch that's asking, you seem to have a passionate opinion. Why do semi-automatic weapons need to be available for purchase? Semi-automatic weapons are the predominant style of firearm in the world. I mean, it's modern technology. It's the modern-day equivalent of, uh, of a musket. Why do you need to be able to buy a TV? Why do you need to be able to buy, drive a car, buy anything else? Um, wh why should they be restricted? Semi-automatic firearms are the majority of firearms on the market. Why should I not be, I'm a legal law-abiding citizen and 99.97% of all citizens are law-abiding citizens. Why should we not be able to purchase them based on the actions of 0.4% of the entire population? I can't kill a person with a TV. You, sure you can. You can kill a person with a TV. You can kill a person with a pencil. With a hammer. You saw the four students uh, in uh, in Arizona, right? The same day as the, the mass shooting, there was also one in, uh, there was a, a, an attack on the school. It was in Arizona or Utah where four uh, kids were killed with, uh, with a machete. I mean, what, you know, what do you want? Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, it's a, first of all, it's an enumerated right. So I really don't need to explain why I should be able to purchase it. Um, why is it necessary for the average citizen? Why is it necessary to uh, buy NASCAR tickets? Why is it necessary to uh, own the latest iPhone? Because people enjoy it. People enjoy shooting. They enjoy the sport. They enjoy the security that it brings them uh, as they go about their day. Uh, they enjoy hunting. They enjoy all the various reasons, target practice or three-gun competition, there, I mean, there's a variety of reasons. Why is it necessary? Idaho. Thank you, Michael. It was in Idaho. You're, that's right. It was in, uh, um, uh, I, it was Idaho State University. Um, you know, why is anything, why is it necessary for people to, you know, again, this is, why should I want to do anything? Why should I want to buy a new computer or a new car? or a new bong, or a new whatever it is. Fill in the blank with something that you don't always necessarily agree with. Why is it necessary? First of all, it's none of my business. Um, if one is enjoys shooting, can it not be done with a non-auto weapon? Okay, so first of all, it's not non-auto. It's semi-auto, which means you still have to pull the trigger every time. Um, and, again, probably something like 85% of all firearms are semi-automatic. Right? I mean, the AR-15 is the most popular rifle in America for a reason. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to shoot. It's accurate. It's easy to use for people who are of various statures. And the bottom line is, <clears throat> is that it's a lot more fun to shoot when you only have to load the magazines once instead of continually reloading the magazine every eight rounds or seven rounds or five rounds and then running the bolt every time. If you want to do precision, long distance, accurate shooting, then you use a bolt. You use a, a bolt fed, some, you know, a, a, a single shot. Uh, admittedly, I will not get the verbiage correct. Yes, because you don't. Here's the thing. You don't understand about firearms. You don't understand the nuances. It's like the congressmen and congresswomen who make laws about firearms and have no idea. They create an assault weapons ban that says you can't have a gun with a bayonet lug and a barrel shroud, and they can't explain what either one of those things are. How can you make a law when you don't understand 
uh, when you don't understand what what the you know what the what the verbiage is, what the vernacular is, what the things are. It is what it is. You know, I, I mean, I'm I'm happy to answer the questions. But uh, we got to get back into it. Let's jump. Let's jump. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Radio. All right, welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show, broadcasting live across the uh, state of Alaska. Uh, on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator, and around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com. We're having an interesting conversation in the chat room with uh, Clark Griswold. Yes, you know him well. Uh, anyway, Clark uh, is uh, in the chat room asking some questions, and I think that they're Good questions, <clears throat> as they are probably the standard questions that you would get from somebody who um, has legitimate concerns about firearms and gun rights and or f- firearms and uh, gun violence, what would be termed gun violence. And uh, and he's asked some questions that I think that it's interesting. Now, um, he he's he started off with you seem to have a passionate opinion. Why do you think semi-automatic weapons need to be available for purchase? Because I said it's a legal, lawful product. That's why they should be available for purchase. It's enumerated. I mean, it's a protected and enumerated right is the second reason. And I talked about buying a TV or a car or things like that. And um, he asked, why is it necessary for an average citizen? Well, that could be applied to anything. I mean, why do you need to be able to buy a car? Why do you need to be able to buy? Why is any of those things, you know, um, you know, need to be available for the average person because it's a legal, lawful product. Why shouldn't it be? And again, an enumerated right, you know, can it be done with a, you know, why, if you enjoy shooting, why can't it be done with a non-semi-auto weapon? Um, okay. Well, because semi-autos are the latest technology. I mean, why don't you just use an old rotary dial phone and a landline instead of your cell phone? It's newer technology, right? I mean, why, well, you know, that, that, I mean, but this is the kind of question people who are not, who've never really been exposed to the gun culture or de- not been raised, you know, around firearms or anything like that, and they have no personal experience with them, they're very convinced by these arguments that they hear because, oh, it makes common sense. If there's no guns, then there'd be no crime. Except for, of course, you can point to places like Australia and other places where they have had a huge rash of crimes and where they've had, you know, biker gangs making illegal guns and doing all this stuff. And, you know, the Charlie Hebdo shooting in France. And I mean, we could just go through the list of all the things where this utopian ideal that somehow if we just took away all the guns, it'd be fine. Criminals don't care about your laws. Right. That's the bottom line. Um. He said, my argument is not so much about the hardware, is about human nature. Well, that's exactly what we're talking about, Clark. Human nature. Let me make a point. You could make another hundred gun laws, put them on the books, and the average American 
the 99.96% of all Americans who own firearms and are legal and law-abiding, they would follow that new law. But the criminals, they wouldn't. You want to talk about human nature? There are people out there who have jettisoned the guide and the rule of society and have decided that they know better than everybody else and they don't give a crap about your laws. Criminals, by their very definition, break the law. So your call for one more gun law does nothing but disarm lawful, law-abiding citizens. Who, by the way, the one thing that most anti-gun folks don't talk about um, is that they don't talk about the defensive use of guns. They talk a lot about number of deaths and homicides and suicides and all these things. Which, I mean, are again, each one's a tragedy. I'm not trying to diminish it. But the one thing that they don't talk about is they don't talk about the defensive use of guns to protect people. It, it's, you know, we, we have an estimated uh, number of deaths approximately every year. Um, it's somewhere between 11 and 14,000 homicides a year, right? With firearms, which each and every one is a tragedy. I'm not trying to diminish that. But when you look at the number, the number that they throw around is always the 35 to 40,000 people a year who die by firearms. Now, what they don't tell you is 65% of those people have are committing suicide with a firearm. Well, if they didn't have guns, they wouldn't commit suicide. Untrue. We could see in Japan that that's untrue. There are no firearms in Japan. Well, except for when you make your own shotgun to assassinate the prime minister. Oh, wait, criminals are going to break the law. I forgot. But there are no firearms in common hands in Japan, and they have one of the highest suicide rates in the world. They'll find another way. They'll meet the train. They'll jump the bridge. They'll take the sleeping pills. So is, is it really... Is it really uh, uh, is it really firearms violence when somebody commits suicide with a firearm? It's an easy tool to use, but they would probably find somewhere else to do it. But the bottom line is, even if you keep the thirty five thousand, thirty eight, thirty six, thirty seven thousand, that's the average yearly amount, and you look at it in a country of three hundred and sixty, no, excuse me, three hundred and thirty seven million people. I mean, you're down into the decimal points, folks. But you forget to talk about the estimated, and depending on what study you look at, you look at the Harvard study, the Harvard, the Harvard study that they did here about eight, nine years ago, which is, again, Harvard, no friend to the gun community, where they estimated that it was 90,000 defensive gun uses a year. That's on the super low side because the majority of other studies put it somewhere in the middle of the 2 million range. And most of those defensive gun uses, a shot was never fired. It was the mere presence of a firearm in the hands of an armed citizen. That's what stopped the crime. Not shooting somebody, not blasting away. The mere fact that an armed citizen stood up and drew their handgun and said, stop or I'll shoot, and the crime went away. Two million times a year. 
So if you pass another gun law that criminals are going to ignore anyway, the law-abiding citizens, the, they will disarm themselves, and you will, but you will cut in, you will create at least another, I mean, even if it was half of those 2 million DGUs a year, defensive gun uses a year, you will create at least another million new crimes a year that will take place because law-abiding citizens will be unable to defend themselves. The gun control people never talk about defensive gun use. In fact, they laugh it off and treat it like, huh, you couldn't do anything. A good guy with a gun, that's a myth. Two million times a year, it happens. Let me get over to the phones um, and take some calls. How about that? 907-433-3150. Let's go over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, this is Bonnie North Pole. Hello, Bonnie. What's on your mind? We're talking about my favorite subject. Okay. When the, when the, excuse me, the excuse of a president we have spouts out off about gun control. And he's guarded every day by a gun. <laughs> every day. Well, he's got, he's got, you know, he's guarded. But he's offended about anybody else should have a gun. To protect themselves, right. Well, I mean, this is the game. Yeah, well. I mean, look, this is, the, this is the Rosie O'Donnell who has bodyguards. This is the Michael Bloomberg who's got a fleet of bodyguards. This is all these talking heads and politicians who are like, oh, nobody should have guns. Mm-hmm. Except my security team, of course, to protect me from you peasants uh everybody else nobody else should have guns i mean this is a common common thing well yeah the story just goes on but i i um i think we need a new sheriff in town they used to have sheriffs here maybe we should hire mad dylan from Gunsmoke. I know it's kind of silly. I know. What kind of gun did he have? Uh, I think he <laughs> you know? had a. Uh, I think he had a. You know, they, you know, they really had it together in the old west. You know, <laughs> and what 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 kind of thing they created then? And I wonder what they would think about society now. <laughs> well, I think I think a lot you of them. I think a lot of them would shake their head, Bonnie. I think that's what would happen. A lot of them would shake their head. But yeah, you're right, Matt Dillon. And is a it is I think he probably I think Carolyn carried a Walker Colt or a Colt Peacemaker. Those were the two one of the two most popular guns of the day. That was the most modern technology of the day, by the way. I mean, the Winchester lever action rifle was amazing. That was the that was the AR-15 of the day. As technology advances, we always like to get the latest and greatest, whether it's the new iPhone whatever they're up to now, 15, 14, 13, whatever it is, or we get the latest gun because I mean, back in the day, that Colt Peacemaker was amazing. Uh, and that Winchester lever action, that Winchester 73, that was amazing. Uh, and we always want the latest and greatest. That's where we're at. Thank you, Bonnie, for your call. Let's go over here and continue. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Uh, good morning. My name's Mike, calling from Fairbanks. Good morning, Mike. Uh, so, <clears throat> excuse me. So, the question I have for Mr. Griswold is. Does he really want to go down the path where the federal government determines what we need? Because that path doesn't end at firearms. It's true. I mean, because you always hear that question. Do you really need to buy that? Do you really, I mean, do you need the latest and greatest AR-15? Or couldn't you just get away with a 
bolt-action squirrel rifle or even a flintlock? Couldn't you just deal with a musket? I mean, that's really, why do you need an AR? That's the question. Why do I need the latest iPhone? Why do I need the latest, uh, you know, electric vehicle? Or why do I need the latest big pickup truck? Or why do I need, like I said, NASCAR tickets or, you know, the latest uh, tickets to Coachella or whatever your flavor is? That's the question. It, it shouldn't matter what I need. I shouldn't have to explain something that is lawful and legal why I need it. I want it. I don't, I mean, I want it. My want is my need. And if it's not illegal, then it's none of your freaking business. That's really the bottom line. Yeah, well, it's not just want, you know. We are so, our society is supposed to be able to determine what each individual and each family needs, meaning, you know, the individual determines that. And going down the path where you say the government's going to, you're going to allow the government to, to de determine what we need is very dangerous path. Okay, Mike, thanks. I appreciate the call. Thank you very much uh, for calling in this morning. Oh. Nine or, nine or seven four three three thirty one fifty. We got another call on hold. We'd love to hear from you if you'd like to join in. And Clark, you're welcome to call that phone number. Uh, I don't know if you're in Alaska or not, but you're welcome to call and have a discussion about this. Uh, we'll be polite. We, we love to do it. I'd love to explain it. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, thank you, Mike. It's Rob from Fairbanks. Good morning, Rob. What's on your mind, my friend? Well, you know, I you know I work the gun shows, and I have my other friend that takes care of, uh, uh, you know, his part, and I take care of my thing, right? Right, right. Okay, well, you know what I'm finding out at the gun shows, that all of a sudden the the people that are doing the background checks are all of a sudden asking what they're ad what the people who are buying the firearm uh they want your address now and as soon as they ask for their address uh everything is and the person gives that uh all of a sudden they're put on hold and uh, i don't know if he was aware of that no i mean who giving whose address the buyer's address or the ffl's address no, no, the buyer's address needs to go to the people that are getting the background check. Right, right. Like FFL. Right, that's part of the 4473, uh, right? Yeah. Right. But nine times out of the ten, as soon as they ask for the address, then it's put automatically, like, put on hold. Interesting. I don't understand why all of a sudden this, and then they call back, you know, you got the guy who wants to pay for the gun and be on his own way, you know, and then all of a sudden, 30 minutes, they call back and say he's clear. Right. It's not. A, I just it, it's don't not, understand yeah. what's going on there. Well, I can say I can tell you what part of what's going on there, Rob, is they are. Over, well, they are overwhelmed. Uh, I mean, because they have done more background checks in the last 10 months. Uh, they did, again, another I think it was another 43 percent increase over the previous year, which was also a record breaker. So they're probably being overwhelmed right? in, in part of it. And part of it might just be a stall tactic that they figure if they call back in 30 minutes, a customer might get bored and walk away and not buy the gun. I mean, That's what they do. Yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, but then they come over to my table and paperwork and uh, they're gone. Right. So I'm starting to see an increase in private sales. Right. Exactly. Well, and, and I think. And, you know, Fairbanks. 
Yeah, and that's what I think it'll drive a lot more of those people who don't want to futz around with it. They will be driven to private sales, which is, again, well, if, that- if, if arbitrarily, you know, having all these background checks is supposed to deter bad people from getting guns. If you even it's going to force more, it's going to force more sales into the private market. And eventually this is why, for example, where they did the the background check, mandatory background check in Washington, you've seen the black market for private sales skyrocket because people are eventually going to right. go, this is dumb. So they're they're doing the unintended consequences of the law are doing exactly opposite of what was intended. That's the bottom line there, Rob. Well, you know, I, I understand that. And, you know, all this stuff that goes on is kind of reflecting back in Alaska. You know, the military people, they come out, you know, I mean, they're trained with the AR. Um, uh, and then when they get out or or when they want to buy a rifle, they buy an AR because they shot 3,000 rounds to the one that the government's got. Right, right. Well, because they're trained on M4s. Okay. Yeah, because they're trained on M4s and N16s, and the AR is a similar platform. That's exactly it. Rob, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to put you on hold for a second here. We're coming up on the break. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right. Sorry about that, Rob, but I, I have a hard break there that I couldn't go over. So, um, I'll No, let, that's fine, Michael. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm good. Okay. I, any final thoughts before I let you go since I got you here? Um, you know, the people in Alaska, we... We want our rifles because we do subsistence with them. We don't go downtown and shoot schools. Well, right. Well, I mean, it, it, uh, Rob, that's a and that's not just an Alaskan thing, and it's not just subsistence. It's everything. Again, ninety nine point nine six percent, nine five nine six percent of of gun owners are lawful and law abiding. It is point four, exactly point four percent. We're having a national conversation about eliminating an enumerated fundamental right because of the actions of point four percent of the uh, of the populace, and and we're talking about it, right. especially when you get into regards of the number of deaths, and and if you throw out the suicides and just talk about actual physical deaths from firearms and true crime and violence. You're talking about in a country of 336 million people, the deaths of <laughs> right. 14,000 people. Each one's a tragedy. I don't. I'm not trying to diminish it, but 14,000 people dying in a country of 337 million people. We've got two or three times that number of people being killed in cars and trucks, and and you know. Uh, they're killed in medical procedures. You know, they got hundreds of thousands that are killed in malpractice medical procedures every year. And yet they're focusing on these 15,000. I mean, it is the most ridiculous argument when you break it down to boil it down to the numbers. But everybody's like, oh, you're heartless. You don't care. I care about every individual person. And I'm sorry that that happened. But don't violate my fundamental constitutionally protected right because of the actions of a very small number of people on a very small segment of the population. It makes no sense. I I understand, Michael. I do. But these people think the guns are wicked 
snakes on the table when they sit there. They go off by themselves and on and on and on. And I'm going, what the crap, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it, Rob. Thank well, you. Michael, thank you. <clears throat> Thanks for calling in. I uh, uh, appreciate you being part of it this morning. Uh, Griswold says, that's one of my least favorite arguments. I don't know which part you're talking about. The fact that the which, – which is your least favorite argument, Clark? That statistically it is a fraction of a fraction? Um, I'm sorry that it's your least favorite argument, but it is the truth. So I guess that's – I mean – Let's just talk about guns. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to talk about guns, but we cannot. Here's the thing. This is why I started this. I mean, this funk, this uh, part of the show, this firearms Friday, where we dedicate Friday to firearms, because I, I got so tired of watching the news and watching the talking heads go on and on and mostly talk about things which they didn't understand. Some of the fundamental basics about firearms and the nomenclature and how the law actually works. How, what the law actually is. I've seen national talking heads say things on air with a straight face and say, this is what the law says when the law actually doesn't say that. I mean, they have a fundamental misunderstanding <clears throat> of how the law works, physical characteristics of a gun, how you know the purchasing process works. We see all this time and time and time again. And so it, it behooves us to go back to the basics and understand those things. That's what this show is about. Firearms Friday is about talking about the basics, the truth, the statistics, the actual numbers, and 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 come at it from that perspective. So, I mean, while <clears throat> while it may be um, the, your least favorite argument, it may be your least favorite favorite argument because it sets up a cognitive dissonance in you that kind of flies against your your natural inclination to be, uh, you know, anti-gun or, you know, pro-gun control. And, and I understand from an emotional standpoint that, that that may be where you're at. But again, statistically, for example, concealed carry holders, concealed carry, uh, concealed carry folks, statistically, concealed carry, people who carry concealed, uh, average law-abiding citizens, um, Concealed carry folks are less likely to commit, a, to commit a crime than police officers. Statistically, police officers commit crime at a higher rate than concealed carry holders. That's a statistical fact. But nobody wants to hear that. They think about concealed carry and they're like, it's the Wild West. There'll be blood in the streets. People will be shooting everybody over a you cut in line situation. But statistically, they don't do that. I don't like the what about this other thing argument. There are issues with cars and health care and guns, but they are all different issues. Here's the thing. I always use the substitution game because what I'm pointing out is the disproportionate, uh, the disproportionate uh, uh, pressure that's being put on firearms versus many other things. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that here in a second. We got to join back onto the radio. Here we go, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio.
Welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show, and it is Firearms Friday. Oh, baby. It's like a therapy session, for me anyway. Get a chance to talk about one of my favorite topics. Um, we're continuing our discussions right now, and our phone lines are open, so I, I want to say that right now. 907-433-3150. If you want to call in from anywhere in the country, haven't heard from Fred yet in Rhode Island, um, haven't heard from Steve down in Texas. He hasn't called here in a couple months, but we'd love to hear from anybody who wants to call in and ask questions. There's no such thing as a dumb gun question. That's it. And there's no, and even if you disagree with me, I encourage you to call. You'll be treated politely. Uh, we'll have a good discussion. We've been having a discussion with Clark in the chat room, um, who's been asking some, I think some good questions. Excuse me. All right. <clears throat> Swallowed my own spit. All right. So Clark was just saying, as we continued our discussions during the commercial break, Clark said, this is one of my least favorite arguments. And I said, what uh, is your least favorite argument? He said, I do not like the what about this other thing argument. There are issues with cars and healthcare and guns, but they are all different issues. Here's why I do this, Clark. I like to use the substitution uh, game. I, I, it's the substitute, I call it the substitution game, but basically because it shows the disproportionate amount of effort and pressure uh, that is being put on the Second Amendment compared to other things. You know, when people say, uh, why do you need a semi-automatic, uh, you know, rifle? Well, why do you need a Twitter account? Why do you need to be able to go to church every Sunday? Why, I mean, that's a First Amendment swap, Right. Why do you need to, why do you need to, what do you have got to hide? If you got nothing to hide, then we should be able to come in and search your house, right? That's a fourth amendment uh, uh, substitution. I mean, we can substitute things all day long. We talk about different industries. For example, the PCLAA, the Protection of Commerce and Lawful Arms Act, right? Which protects gun manufacturers from frivolous lawsuits. This was a bipartisan effort back in 2005 that was signed by everybody, including Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. And it protects the gun industry from frivolous lawsuits when somebody buys and purchases their lawful legal product and uses it for bad things, shootings and things like that. <clears throat> and when you hear about these people like, we should just sue the gun manufacturers out of existence, you don't see the argument when somebody takes a, you know, a Ford F-150 pickup truck and runs over a crowd of people because they were... Not maybe it wasn't even evil intent. It was just they were drunk as a skunk. They drank a bottle of Jack Daniels and climbed into their Ford F-150 and plowed through a group full of people. You don't see a hue and cry for everybody to sue Ford man, you know, Ford Motor Company or Jack Daniels Distillery because this person took legal lawful products and misused them. Why would it make sense? To sue a gun manufacturer because somebody took a gun and did bad things with it. And even people who were evil, like the guy who took the truck in New York here, what was it, six, seven years ago during Halloween, and he ran down a bunch of people and kids and killed a bunch of people? Or the guy who ran his car through the market in California in an attempt to kill people? Why wasn't Dodge, the, the one guy drove the Dodge Charger, why wasn't Dodge? sued for their product. So I use the substitution game because I'm trying to get, I'm trying to, to get, the thing is with guns, what has happened is that it has become such an emotional argument because it's a tragedy. I mean, these things, 
are horrific. I watched Uvalde unfold and I just, I couldn't even talk about it for two days because it was such a tragedy. And we let that emotion rule our arguments instead of saying, well, if we were talking about, how would we feel if we were talking about this thing versus that thing? I guarantee you that there's a lot of Twitter people out there that if you started talking about, well, I mean, look at what's happening right now. They think that Elon Musk is going to do the same thing to them that gun folks feel like Congress and and gun control people are wanting to do to them. They're losing their minds, you know, sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for not. That's why I use the substitution game. That's why, because I want you to see it in, in in the factual, logical light, not just in an emotional light. Uh, let's go over to the phones and see. Uh, we'll continue on this discussion. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, Michael. How you doing? It's Fred. Hey, <laughs> Amazing, Fre- Amazingly enough, I, we, I guess we're on the same wavelength. I was dialing the phone, as you mentioned <laughs> You mentioned <it> earlier. <laughs> Good morning, Fred. What's on your mind? Good, man. Good. What's happening? Uh, I want to bring up something you brought up two weeks ago. I just couldn't get to last week, you know, recovering from the... Right. The, the, the tricky overwhelmingness of the last week. Well, I, I was I was off I was off last <laughs> so Friday, so yeah, no, I was off last Friday, so you get you get a chance to go. So go ahead. We got about two minutes here, so go go for it. Uh, okay, collectivism versus individualism by Brian. I just want to say to Brian, kudos, you hit the nail directly on the head. Yeah, I mean that was that was perfect. That was the perfect analogy for I say a large majority of what's going wrong in America today. You know, collectivism versus individualism. You expound on that a little more, I think you could find so many so many problems and origins and solutions right there. Right there. I don't think you have to look too much further than that. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with it. Uh, this is <clears throat> something I've commented on a lot is that, you know, on the more progressive side of the fence, those people are more, uh, they are, they're more, they're collectivists by nature. You know, it takes a village and we're all kumbaya and we've all got to come together. And on the right, what you see is a bunch of rugged individualists who really, in the heart of hearts, they just want to be left alone. They don't want to go in and have, they want to do their thing with their families, do what they want to do. And so it is a philosophical difference. And it's hard to bridge that gap sometimes. Um, and that's why, you know, a lot of times you see the, the more, you know, uh, right, uh, set right of center, uh, conservative or the, you know, the, the, they do not play well with others. They don't always do well in things that require people to come together, um, in, in various forms. So yeah, it is the collectivism versus the individual, uh, because they're just too, they're so disseparate as philosophies. They're so, so on opposite sides of the spectrum. That's why people have a hard time understanding a lot of this. Uh, well, yeah, like I say, Brian, Brian nailed it. I mean, he definitely should get a high, high praise for all that. Definitely. Yeah, no, absolutely. Fred, I, did you have a good Thanksgiving? Oh yeah, it's great. It's great, great, great Thanksgiving. Good, good. Yeah, you, absolutely. you suffered through the turkey coma. I did the same thing on fr- last Friday. I was off because I there was no way that I could come back on Friday after Thanksgiving and not be <laughs> suffering from the turkey coma. Understood. So, there you Understood. go. Understood. All right. Well, yep. thank you, Fred. It's good to hear from you. Appreciate you coming on and calling from Rhode Island. Uh, I hope you have a hope you have a good weekend. Thanks for calling in. We'll talk to you again soon. You take care. Uh, All right. Thanks so much. Uh, That brings us up to, yes, 
the top of the hour. Wow, it is the fastest two hours in radio. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll continue this discussion in hour two. And then we'll have Willie Waffle coming in for the weekend movie review. I can't wait for that. That's going to be some fun stuff. We're going to talk about the new David Harbour movie, Violent Night. Uh, I know. I'm, there's something wrong with me. There's just something wrong with me. I just enjoy some of those dark comedy movies. Uh, the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Be kind, love one another, live well. All right. Um, we're in the break now for hour two. I got all the phone lines are open, and um, I would, uh, Clark says, I will push an old lady over for that movie. <laughs> I mean, I might too, uh, Clark, uh, because that thing, I, every every trailer I've seen at that one, I am laughing out loud by the time the trailer's over. Uh, so I can't wait to see what Willie has to say about it. Uh, Willie's going to be coming on at the end of the next hour to talk about all the entertainment news that we, it's all, everything that's fit to print. We're going to talk about all that stuff. Um... If we're going to talk about guns, let's talk about guns. Uh, uh, Clark, I'm happy to talk about guns. To answer your first question again, if you without the substitution, uh, I'm just scrolling backwards to make sure that I get the verbiage of what you said. Uh, oh, oh, I missed this one. They can't defend themselves with pistols or shotguns or anything non-auto. The problem is, Clark, is that 80% of the pistols are semi-automatic. 80% of pistols are semi-automatic. And I think the largest capacity revolver, which shoots a pretty pitiful 22 caliber round, is nine rounds. The average pistol has six rounds in it before you have to try and reload. And if you're facing home invaders, and there's a story that I haven't gotten to yet um, about uh, there were three home invaders uh, trying to uh, get into a place with a mom and her, and her children where a neighbor came and intervened. Um, if she had had to try and defend herself with a revolver and only six rounds and there's three guys, that's, I mean, the question is, would you rather have 14 rounds or six rounds? Again, the technology says, I'd rather have the 14 rounds. There was never a gunfight won by a good a good guy, a good person. There was never when foot pads and bad guys came at you. There was never a gunfight that was won where the guy said, well, I had way too much ammo for that gunfight. Never. Um, shotguns. <clears throat> sure. I mean, you can, you can defend yourself with a shotgun. Are you going to carry a shotgun around with you? Again, it goes back to what is the most modern, most efficient, most affordable, and easy to use? Well, for many, semi-auto is all of those things. And again, we're talking about technology that's 100 years old. But let me go back to your first question again. I want to go back to your first question because I want to answer it without. Um, okay. Um, I'm still scrolling. Am I scrolling? Still scrolling. Oof. Um, why, uh, why do semi-automatic weapons need to be available for purchase? Because they're the latest technology. And they're legal. And they're lawful. And there's a variety of reasons why people want to be able to do it. First of all, it makes shooting a lot more fun. 
I can tell you that for nothing. Um, when you go to the shooting range and want to do a lot of shooting, <clears throat> if you have to reload your pistol, your revolver, every six rounds, that gets old because it takes a while. Even with speed loaders, it's not nearly as fast as with a magazine-fed semi-automatic. A rifle, it's even worse. You get five rounds versus 30 rounds or maybe 75 rounds if you've got a large magazine. Second of all, if you're defending yourself, see the argument that I had just a minute ago. I would much rather have more bullets than less bullets in a gunfight. If I had to defend myself and my family in my home or out in the public, I would much rather have more ammo than less ammo. And in those cases also, in the case of defensive use of guns, I would much rather be able to get back into the fight faster by being able to use semi-automatic firearms rather than single shot or rather than, <clears throat> you know, non-semi-auto like revolvers, lever actions, pump actions, etc. Because that's how you, you stay in the fight. That's how you protect people. When you're able to, you know, when you're reloading, you're out of the fight. You can't do that. So, and again, criminals are going to have the latest and greatest, right? Criminals are going to have semi-automatic firearms. So if you're trying to, I want to be on an equal footing with those people to the best of my ability. In fact, I want to overtop them. That's why I have gotten training. That's why I've gone to combat rifles courses. That's why I've gone to combat pistol courses, you know, active shooter training. That's why you do those things, because I want to have an edge in those kind of fights. You know, so I, I, you know, if you find yourself in a fair fight, you didn't prepare well enough is the old adage. I want it to be an unfair fight if something like that ever breaks out. Now, maybe in my lifetime, it will never happen. Maybe I will never be involved in that. And I will be happy if I am 80 years old and I die in my bed and I never had to use my firearm to protect somebody. I will be a happy person. But what would I feel like if I happened to be there and had didn't have the ability to defend myself, my family, or people that I don't even know to the best of my ability? So, again, and that's that's the answer that I can give you to my to that question. So hopefully, uh, and you of course can always ask a hypothetical question. Uh, you are losing me with the fun argument, but I am open to others. Have you ever gone shooting at all, Clark? Because shooting is surprisingly fun. Shooting steel, shooting targets, um, it's surprisingly fun. I've taken people who have never shot who were kind of not pro-gun, not anti-gun, but they didn't think they were going to have a good time, and they ended up loving it. So you're always, um, uh, you're, you're always uh, welcome to, uh, to ask a hypothetical question. Um, I agree that a thousand percent, if you want a gunfight, I want to have a gun that shoots the most, but where I'm coming from is more about the open availability of these purchase of guns. Again, 99.6% of law-abiding citizens never do anything bad with their guns. So what, I mean, open, open? It's not that open. All right, we gotta, we're going to continue here. The Michael Duke Show. Whoa, buddy.
buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. Michael Kinshaw. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be Firearms from my cold, dead hands. Friday. Where's my rifle? Where's my gun? Firearms Friday. Yeah, baby. Firearms Friday. Your chance to sound off on issues of a two-way nature right here on the Michael Duke Show, broadcasting live. Across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. And live around the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukeShow.com where you'll pick up the audio-only live stream. You could find links to my social media sites where we simulcast the radio show every day on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And, of course, links to the podcast uh, where I bragged a little bit yesterday because I just happened to look at the statistics of the podcast, which is available on CastBox, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, and, of course, Spotify, uh, that in the last 12 months, the podcast, I'm happy to announce, has been uh, played more than 347,000 times. <laughs> wow. I'm pretty excited about that. That's a lot of people listening, and I appreciate all of you for doing so. Uh, whether it's on terrestrial radio or whether it's on the Internet, I appreciate you guys being part of it today. All right, uh, let's get over to the phone lines. Somebody's been on hold for a little bit here over the top of the hour. We want to get to them first. It is gun Q&A all day. So gun Q- any question you want to ask, <clears throat> remember, there's no such thing as a dumb gun question. I mean, even like, well, which end is the pointy? Where does the bullet come? I'll answer those questions. It doesn't matter if I've answered it a hundred times. My job is to try and demystify the firearm and firearms laws and rules and do whatever I can to help you understand things. So gun Q&A all day. It's open right now. 907-433-3150. Over to the phone lines we go. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Denise in Wasilla. How are you? Good morning, Denise. What is on your mind? Well, people always ask, you know, what makes people want to have guns in their homes? And I have a long family story from probably 70 years ago before I was even born as to why our family has guns and loaded guns that are ready to use at a moment's notice. Okay. Um, My mother's father, my grandfather, worked as a Hellcat and traveled the United States um, with with the oil companies. And at the time, they were living up in Wyoming, and they lived in little camps. And one night, there was a banging at the door, and it was the mother and the daughter, my mother's friend, and at the time, she was 10, they were both 10, um, said that their dad had gone crazy. So my grandfather got him in the house and he said, let me go across the street and talk to him. He was thinking it was a family, you know, just a family dispute. As he got out and 
uh, going across the road, the man started shooting at my grandfather. And um, we found out later that he had what we now call PTSD from the war. But anyways, he had just kind of gone, gone off his rocker and was shooting people uh, or shooting at people. So my, grandma, my grandfather came back in the house, put my mother at the front door with the shotgun, my uncle at the back door with his shotgun, the lady and her daughter and my grandmother and um, my youngest aunt were hiding in the bedroom. And he said, I've got to go to the town and get the sheriff. If he comes through the door, you have to do what you have to do. Well, they could hear the boys um, across the street screaming. So the mom ran out, circled around the house to try to go save her boys. And then they heard the mother screaming. And the, my mom's friend took the gun from my mom and walked across the street. When she opened the front door, the man had an, an old or a machete, and he had one of her brothers against a wall and was going to kill him. And she shot him in the back and saved her brother. The state of Wyoming put a 10-year-old girl on trial for manslaughter. All the jurors agreed that she did what she had to do and, and she was fine, but it just goes to show that a lot of times it's not a bad person that's trying to come in and hurt you. Lots of times there are people that are just sick, but they still hurt other people. Right. Another right. incident just happened here in Wasilla to my son's family probably about four years ago. My daughter-in-law was sitting on the couch a man opened the front door and walked in. My daughter-in-law started screaming, get out, get out, get out. My son came around from the kitchen with a shotgun, put it in the man's chest, and was able to back him out the door. Thank, my son to this day just says, thank God I didn't shoot him, because he, again, was a mentally handicapped person from, a, you know, from one of the streets over that had accidentally gotten out of the house. And when the police or the troopers finally showed up, you know, he said, oh, I'm going to eat. He thought he was going out somewhere to eat, but he was just a mentally ill person. Right. But stuff like that happened. And, you know, my son's like, I'm so glad I did not shoot him. But it's not always a bad person trying to get in your house. Sometimes there are just sick people out there that that do bad things as well. Well, I, I think but I can remember. I can remember as a child my mom saying, if you point that gun at someone, you have to be prepared to use it because she said at the age of 10, sitting in a chair in front of her living room door, she knew that if that man came through the door, she would have to shoot him, even though he was a family friend. Right, right. I think two things come to mind in this. Um, you know, uh, first thing, uh, you know, as you're talking about, uh, you know, first of all, what you're talking about there is defensive gun use, your son's example. He had the firearm. And he was able to use the firearm without firing a shot to stop a crime. Again, that's and maybe it mm -hmm. wouldn't have been a crime, but he didn't know at the time. But it was enough to get it, you know, to get it through. And it, and there's been plenty of examples of people uh, in the Wasilla area in the last few years of home invasions where people walk in thinking something's going to happen and they get walked right back out with a firearm without a shot being fired. Uh, and that happens day in mm -hmm. and day out. That's a good thing. The second thing is, is like you said, they're not always bad people, but sometimes there's a snap, right? Something happens, PTSD, et cetera, et cetera. They're not necessarily bad people, but they just, they don't, they're not in their right mind. So they hurt other people, probably never intentionally, but they're in their own little fantasy world and it happens. And that reminds me, of course, of the adage that you can't legislate evil or insanity right i mean you just you can't exactly. legislate to protect against it you can't legislate to protect against evil 
because evil doesn't care about rules. It doesn't care about laws. I mean, criminals, exactly. you know, again, by their very definition, break the law. And you can't and you can't legislate against insanity because they could be fine one minute and the next minute they're not. We've seen this happen time and time again. Yeah. And maybe it's a slow progression sometimes, but you never know when that one instance may trip over. And I'm not trying to shame anybody that has mental health issues. I mean, I've got family members with mental no, health issues. No. Uh, there's, you know, something like, you know, you know, there's a huge percentage of Americans who are suffering from some form of a mental health issue. But again, this is a fraction of a fraction of the population causing this problem. But if you watch the mainstream media, you think it's happening on every corner. You think it's happening on every doorstep. Yes. Uh, yeah. And and I think that's yeah. part of the problem is that, you know, that people feel like we have to do something. Um, in, in, in well, I think in, you know, in, I'm sorry, in our case, you know, in the, in the case with what our family went through, I don't, you know, I just, it, for me, it's hard to believe that any reasonable, right-minded, good person is sitting around waiting for someone to come into their house so that they can shoot them. They, that's, that just is not what people are thinking. Right. No. You know, it's there in case of, you know. A, a real tragedy, and in the case with you know, because he was a family friend, his daughter shot him. Right. You know, and he and nobody wanted that to happen, but it was him, or you know, the the likelihood of him right. killing. Well, and how know, and how to in his life. and how do mainstream players portray gun owners? Right. They portray gun owners. I've been carrying yeah. a gun since I was eighteen years old. Okay, I've been carrying a firearm okay, been, on a daily basis since I was 18 years old. Never once did I said, "God, I really hope today I get to shoot somebody." God, I really hope today that exactly. I get to I get to step in and defend somebody and be the hero. I I have never in my life thought that. But wh- how does the mainstream media portray it as gung ho mm-hmm. boogaloo boys? We're gonna go out there and we're gonna. That's how they portray it. And I can tell you right now because I've been in the gun community yeah. since I was 15 years old. That that's not how the gun community. That's not that's not how the majority no. of them think. Are there some fringers out there that maybe think that? Sure, but there's fringers in every culture, every uh, subset of people out there, every group, every demographic group. There's there's fringers out there, but the vast majority of people never thought I'm going to strap this gun on and go out there today and I'm going to use it to shoot somebody who's hurting somebody else because exactly. that's what I look forward to. Nobody ever thinks that. I mean, no rational person. I mean, and when I say. When I say it's funny, it's not funny, but I mean, I would say traditionally in most homes, it's the father that takes the children out and teaches them gun safety. And, right. and my dad did that as well. He was a, a, a avid hunter. Our whole family was. But I just remember my mother taking me and my brother out one day and really talking to us because it really affected her life. It affected my, my younger, or, you know, her younger sister's life to the point where she was literally on anti-anxiety medication, which back in those days was that was Valium. I mean, think about giving an eight-year-old girl Valium, excuse me, you know, because of such a a, a traumatic incident. But I remember my mother taking us out with the handguns and really, really instilling in me and my brother that you have to know ahead of time if you're capable or not of protecting yourself. If not, don't even pick up a gun. Don't carry a gun. Right. You know, um, but it was it was a very traumatic incident that happened in their lives, and I can remember them, the family, talking about it until you know they're they're all passed on by you know now. But even our family, we use that story when we're teaching our children. You better know whether or not you're capable of doing this, right. 
you know, and, and know what you're doing with the gun. Well, I think otherwise a, you're going to end up hurting. You know. I think that's an important point because, look, guns are not for everyone. I'm not one of those guns that said everybody should have a gun and walk around with it. Said, everybody should have it. No, there are certain people that do not have the disposition uh, or the, you know, or the, the mental stability or just the inclination to carry a gun. And I'm not saying that we should force everybody to carry a gun. I'm saying I want to be able no. to carry a gun. I want to be able to defend myself and be responsible for my family's safety, for my safety wherever I go. I never in a million years would force somebody that to want, you know, again, I'm a libertarian. Right. You do what you want to do as long as you don't hurt anybody else. I don't care if you don't want to have a gun. Don't have a gun. If you don't want to have a gun in your house, that's fine. I'm totally okay with that. But don't prevent me from being able to exercise that right. That is the that is the the key component there. Well, I appreciate you calling in. Um, I I think we've talked. You have a great day. I appreciate it. So thanks for listening and thanks for calling Uh in this morning. Let's go over to the uh, next caller here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Carlene and Kodiak. Well, good morning, my dear. How are you? Excellent. Couldn't be better. Thank you and you. Uh, it's Friday. What more could you ask for? TGIFF. What's uh, what's on your mind, Carlene? Okay. Um, I've heard you say many, many, many times that uh, libertarians just want to be left alone. And all of us just want to be left alone. And funny thing, I was thinking of the Rifleman movie before Bonnie even called in, and I've lived that saying, live and let live, to the point that I don't say anything until I have to speak up, or else uh, I believe if I don't, their blood is on my hands. And if I do speak up, then the blood is on their own hands. But Fred and Brian talked about collectivism versus individualism. Right. And then you said that the center-right don't play well with others. And we don't because it's they don't let us live and let live. It's gotten to the point that they want us to participate in the evil now. There's T-shirts out that just bake the cake. The lady from A Star is Born. They, um, But I don't want to be manipulated or deceived, and I won't participate because it's violating my conscience. Right. On July 2nd, 2018, my brother was put down, and I didn't know they did that, that Kevorkian thing. He didn't have a choice. The lady he was with decided she's going on a trip on Friday and we have to do this now. But it took me four years to recover from that. I didn't go anywhere. I only talked to my kids and talked with people that have gone through the same thing. Um, it, and I read about 50 books on alcoholism and drugs and the dysfunctions. Right. And eventually I've made my way through it. But... I, I can't uh, be pulled into that. Right. I, I just won't. Well, I, I, everything I, I can't. You know, Carlene, I think that what you're pointing out is is a is a good it's a good part of the whole collectivism versus individualism thing because eventually, you know, what's going to happen? The ultimate, um, the ultimate uh, outcome of collectivism is that they it, and a lot of those folks they want to force that collectivism on everybody to conform to do exactly what everybody else does. 
And we see that. Um, and again, if you want to be, if you, if your collectivism is your philosophy, I have no problem with that. Just allow me my own philosophy of individualism. And, and that's where the crux is. The crux is that their, their philosophy doesn't work unless everybody participates, even those that, that don't want to. That's how that that's the problem, in my opinion, with that philosophy, because it violates the basic tenet of liberty that people should be allowed to do what they want to do. As long as they're not hurting anybody else, they should be able to do what they want to do. And and that, I think, is the main crux of the conflict between collectivism and individualism. And that's why we're seeing a lot of this polarization, I think, going on in the United States for those reasons alone. Um, and this, again, goes back to the argument of gun control, because collectivists believe, well, you know, we should be able to eliminate something that everybody, you know, can use or enjoy and only a small, small fraction abuse simply for the common good. It's for the children. It's for the common good. And you should just give up your rights because collectively it's better for everyone. Um, and that's the problem with that ideal is that individually I understand that. You know, I have to be responsible for my own defense, my own safety and everything else. And I also understand that outside of even collectivism and individualism is this criminality that says it's not just individualism where I do my thing and don't hurt anybody else. It is I do my thing regardless of whether anybody else gets hurt. I want my way. That's what the criminals are about. So there's a third component to that. And I think that's the important part of why we have to understand that people need to be able to defend themselves. So, I mean, I 100% agree with you on that, Carlene. Uh, I got to go. Thank you so much for sharing with us this morning. Folks, we're out of time for this segment. We got one more coming up. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more right after this. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right. Um... Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hey, uh, I'm curious what type of gun was used in the defense. She said it was a shotgun, uh, and that was 70 years ago, so I'm assuming that it was probably a pump-action or break-open shotgun. Um, Mental health is much more of an epidemic in the U.S. than guns, and I would agree with that. Uh, I would agree that mental health is a serious issue in America, and it, it factors into many other issues whether it is, again, uh, some of the gun, uh, you know, mass shootings and, and violence that happens there, uh, homelessness, um, uh, you know, there's, there's just so many issues that surround mental health. And we, we really need to have a, a rational, logical conversation about mental health in America as well. Um, and, and, and to destigmatize that, we want to demystify the gun, right? We want to demystify gun laws and, 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 and eliminate some of the fears about guns. But at the same time, we should destigmatize mental health, uh, to where, you know, people look, people are suffering in this country. We, you know, one in four people are taking some form of mood, mind altering drug, one in four, 25% of the country is taking some form of medication. I, I'm not trying to, I'm just saying there's issues and we shouldn't denigrate people who have mental health problems. We should find a way and we should come together to find a way to make those things better. How do we make it better for those people? How do we 
find the people who may trip over and um and and as denise said you know so that he had ptsd and he just snapped one night how do we find those people and and help them you know uh every 22 seconds a veteran takes their own life uh we've created a whole new you know two generations of veterans now uh since the war on terror started uh of people veterans who have seen horrific things and come home I mean, it is, you know, it, it, those are things we need to do. So we need to have conversations about that as well. Um, anyway. Um, <clears throat> but is this necessary or is there, let me see what this is. Is it necessary or is there an epidemic of needlessly medicated people? Well, I think that's a, that's a question too. I mean, that's a, that's part of that discussion on mental health. Are we just snap judgmenting, you know, medicating a nine-year-old boy because he's being a nine-year-old boy? Or does he really have ADHD? Does he really need? I mean, there's a whole there's a whole show wrapped up in the discussion of are we over-medicating in America? Uh, but, you know, the, the whole problem is, is that we just we're not facing it, I think, in the right way. We're not taking it on. And again, some people are embarrassed. Right. Some people, a lot of people are embarrassed about their mental health issues. To me, it's, you know, it, it's a it's a wound on the inside. I mean, if you lost your hand in an accident, um, it, it is what it is. People would understand. But because you're wounded on the inside, people feel, feel you know, the, who are suffering it, they feel embarrassed by it. We, we need again, we need to destigmatize that as well. You know, we need to destigmatize de that. And yes, the whole over-medication thing is a whole nother argument. And I do agree that we over-medicate, but I, you know, again, we should be talking about those issues as well. The Here's the thing. It's the anthropomorphizing of the firearm, right? Johnny was such a good kid until he got a gun and then Johnny became a demon and killed everybody and it's the gun's fault. No, there was something in Johnny the whole time that... He didn't talk about or didn't let out. And then Johnny just became a thug because he could. It had nothing to do with the. You could lay that firearm on the top of your table in your house and leave it there. And it would sit there for 10. It would sit there until the house crumbled down around it and nothing would ever happen. It's not the gun's fault. Just like it's not the fault of legal law-abiding gun owners. It is the individual. And we need to focus on the root cause of that. Right? The gun is not at fault. It's not some kind of mystical totem that turns people evil. It's also not a mystical totem that makes you a superhero if you have one. We've talked about that, right? Let's get back into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, one final segment here on Firearms, on Firearms Friday, before we jump into the weekend movie reviews with Willie Waffle. Can't wait to, t I can't wait, can't wait. 
Uh, we were just talking, uh, following up on uh, Colleen's, uh, excuse me, on Carlene's uh, discussions on collectivism and individualism. We started talking about mental health in the chat room and the during the commercial break and everything else. And, uh, you know, I, it, we started talking about the fact that, you know, it, we there are many, many factors to these things that happen to crime. Right. For example, uh, you know, a lot of the violent crime, a lot of the murders that take place uh, in the United States every year, a lot of them are it's criminal on criminal violence. Right. It's gun. It's crime. It's uh, gangs fighting against each other and doing those kind of things. Um, so there's some root causes there. Right. Now, whether that's broken homes. Uh, you know, fatherless children, uh, societal issues, you know, welfare state dependency. But there's a lot of issues there. You have all the mental health components that we just talked about as well um, and, and everything. But the bottom line is what get what what ends up getting blamed all the time is the firearm. They 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 anthropomorph uh, anthropomorphize it into this like it's this evil talisman that. You know, Johnny was a good boy until he got his hands on a gun and Johnny became an absolute demon. Right? It, it it wasn't the gun that turned Johnny into a demon. There was something else going on. And again, whether tick off the list of all the things that may have made it wrong that Johnny, would, you know, got it, tick all those things off. We don't know what it was. The bottom the the bottom line is is that the firearm is is just a tool like any other, right? Now, granted, it can be a dangerous tool, but just like I wouldn't hand uh, a brand new, per a neophyte, I wouldn't hand them a running chainsaw and say, go buck up that, that cord of wood over there, go cut it up and, you know, go, go to town. I would never, I would never hand them a running chainsaw and just assume they're going to do it. We're going to give them some training. We're going to talk about it. I mean, that's a personal responsibility. I've seen people who don't know how to use a chainsaw use a chainsaw, and it's scary, right? It, because it happens. They just assume that they know what how it, it happens. We need to take personal responsibility. That's why we talk about the rule of three when we talk about getting a firearm. If you decide to go forth armed, you know, and your firearm of choice, your pistol of choice is going to cost $500. You figure you need to spend three times that amount of money uh, on your overall uh, on your overall cause. 500 for the gun, 500 for good accessories, including a good belt, a good holster, extra magazines, you know, snap caps, practice rounds, all that kind of stuff. And $500 on professional training on how to handle your gun, on how to, you know, what the legalities are. You know, combat pistol course or basic pistol course or active shooter training or whatever. You should get that. Now, should the government mandate that? No, I don't believe that. I think we all have to take personal responsibility. But I believe that if you're going to do that and you're going to be a you're going to be one of the good guys, you need to be able to do that. Uh, Clark says guns are tools for good or evil people to use for their own designs. It's exactly right. It's a tool like any other. Um, you know, and this whole discussion on semi-automatics and AR-15s, the president wants to do an assault weapons ban and everything else, you know, statistically, more people are beaten to death with hands, fists, and feet than are killed by, well, all rifles, not just ARs, not just semi-autos, but bolt actions and everything else, all long guns account for a fraction 
of the overall deaths and the black rifles, right, are a subset of all rifles. And there are usually two or three times every year the number of people that are killed with rifles are beaten to death with hands, fists, feet, and blunt objects. Let alone stabbings and knifings and, and everything else. So why has this become such a prevalent in society and in the media? Why is it such a... I don't know. Other than it goes back to that idea that we've talked about in the past of the narrative. Which... The only way that society can move forward is with the direct benevolent intervention of government. It goes back to collectivism, right? We can't move forward as a society. Um, we, we can't move forward as a society without, um, uh, you know, without uh, uh, government being there to help us. We can't do it on our own. They truly believe that. And there are those people out there, us rugged individualists who say, we just want to be left alone. We don't want the government involved in our lives. And we're part of the problem. And because we have guns, what they'd really like to see is they'd really like to see a society that's disarmed so that then they can enact whatever that they want to do to make the collective ideal come to come, come to fruition. That's really the bottom line. We are still the freest nation on the earth because we have been armed. The Second Amendment has continued to keep us the freest nation on earth because it is the implicit threat against the overreach of government, that it implied threat. It's not an overt, we're not in the street marching with torches and pitchforks. You know, it's because, and the founding fathers, if you read, you know, even the, the even the Federalist Papers and the, and the Anti-Federalist Papers, you realize that that's what they were talking about, that the government needs to be held in check by the people. And only an armed populace can hold their government in check. And again, not by pointing guns at them and doing everything else. It's the implicit Threat that if they step beyond, you can go this far and no further. That's what's kept us as free as we have over the years. Uh, quickly here, I got time for one more call. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, Michael, this is Bob from Fairbanks. Morning, Bob. <clears throat> don't forget hammers. Yeah, don't forget hammers. Husband's <laughs> hitting head with a hammer. Sure. I mean, yes, this is after she, after she said we need to get rid of air, the assault rifles because they'll make the country safer. Right. Assault hammers, right? Assault hammers. Uh, yeah. Maybe we and should. Personally, I really don't care. I don't care what happens to Pelosi. I hope the old bag just gets on her room and flies off and, <laughs> in the wild somewhere. Well, I mean, you know, again, it, it goes back to the whole idea of what is, you know, what makes something an assault weapon? I mean, isn't a hammer an assault weapon? Uh, is a is a candelabra an assault weapon? Is a pipe, a fist, a foot, a knee? All those things could be assault weapons, and that's uh, that's part of the problem. Uh, Bob, thank you uh, for your call. Uh, that uh, that brings us kind of close to the close here. Uh, I know we got a lot to cover with Willie here in the next uh, next few minutes, so we're gonna get ready to go here. I mean, there's a look. There's a lot of things to be discussed here, and uh, I saw that Clark just asked a question about. We never hear of mass fist beating to death. We hear of mass shootings weekly, and and I think Clark, that part of that problem has to do with the way the media reports things as well, because mass shootings, they, again, you act like it's happening every week, but again, statistically, it's not, and there are more people that are killed with hands, fists, and feet. And it may not all happen at once, but does that make it any less horrific? 
I mean, it's a question. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. We'll return right after this. All right. Um, so I guess here's my question uh, for Clark. Um, um, what is is the is the what's your point of view? Are you saying that there should be no semi-automatic rifles or semi-automatic firearms, for that matter, should be sold to the public? And um, or is that is more strictures or what? And that will prevent the mass shootings. Again, what we classify as mass shootings. And I know that there's a whole bunch of different numbers out there. But let's just say that it's, you know, the 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 mat. Is that what your point of view is? Is that because if it's not semi-automatic or whatever, that that would make us safer? Or if you just can't get guns, it's going to make us safer. I'm. I'm curious because, again, statistically, criminals, by their very definition, break the law, right? It's already illegal to murder people. It's already illegal to hold people against their will, to make them hostages. Um, it's already illegal to bring a gun onto school grounds. It's already illegal to bring a gun into a shopping mall where it's posted. It's already illegal to – I mean, you know, it, it – what is going to stop the criminal from doing bad things? Um, I need a pretty compelling argument, he says, for why auto and semi-auto guns should be sold. I do not believe all guns should be outlawed. Well, I mean, auto, 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 automatic weapons are the most highly regulated firearm out there, period period. Um, so I don't know why that's even part of the argument. And in fact, the incidents of crime with NFA items, national firearm, which are fully automatic weapons. Okay. Let me just machine guns. The incident of crime with legal machine guns is almost non-existent because I mean, they're an investment. I mean, if it costs, you know, the average criminal is not going to go to the NFA list and buy uh, an, an M4 or an M16 because the damn thing costs $34,000, right? So the automatic weapons, just uh, the machine guns, that just, that argument is off the table as far as I'm concerned because it makes no sense. Semi-automatic, that's a whole other argument. You're going to need a compelling argument. Well, again, <clears throat> I could point you to a half a dozen stories in just the last two years, where a semi-automatic firearm saved people in their own homes, saved people in, well, let's just talk about the Greenville, the Greenville shooting, right? The shopping mall shooting, where the active shooter came in and he was shot by the Good Samaritan. And he was using a semi-automatic handgun and he dumped the magazine into that guy from 40, round, from 40 yards away. An amazing bit of shooting, by the way. And the other guy had a rifle. Now, he's a pistol versus a rifle, which is never a fight that you want to, you know, a pistol versus a rifle is never a fight that you want to have. I don't care what your cop shows show you. If I get a chance to carry a rifle into a bad situation, I will do it all day long versus a pistol. 
But he needed all those rounds, and he needed them quickly. So it's faster to shoot. Generally, for most people, it's more accurate to shoot. And you have the ability to reload faster to get back into the fight. Uh, the, um, the mom down in Texas, or uh, it was the, uh, no, it was the, the veteran down in Texas had four or five members of a, of a local gang try and break into his house with his wife and his family. He had an AR-15. And because there were so many assailants, he was able to stop them because he had an AR-15. If he had had a bolt-action rifle, wouldn't have been able to do it. Wouldn't have been able to do it. So there, there are plenty of reasons why a semi-automatic rifle with a standard capacity 30-round magazine for a rifle or a 14-round magazine for a pistol are important. What if the roles were reversed there? It happens all the time. Like I said, in the mall shooting, for example, in the mall shooting, the bad guy had the better gun. He had the rifle. The Samaritan had the pistol. If the Samaritan had had the rifle and the bad guy had had the pistol, that would also have been a good outcome. Um, what about bad guys crashing a party and, and coming into a house with more firearms? Or even if they were all armed with semi-autos or with uh, revolvers or whatever, how, how, are you going to, how are you going to protect yourself against multiple assailants at the same time if you don't have the ability to do it rapidly and be able to reload rapidly? That's, that's all the argument that I need. Again, 99.6%, uh, 96%, 99.96% of all firearms owners are lawful and law. My phone's buzzing. Willie's calling me. We got to get back to it. All right. Are you guys ready? Uh, we're going to continue. We're going to jump into this. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Okay, well, you know, you know what's happening now. Now we get to the weekend. That's right. It's official. Willie Waffles in the house. That means it's the weekend. I mean, you still got to do a full day's worth of work. I'm sorry, but you know, it's it's official. Hello, my friend. What's happening? I am officially telling everybody they're allowed to take the rest of the day off. Nice. But remember. I, I can't approve your unemployment claim if that's, that happens. That's true. That's true. He can get you a doctor's note, though. Um, <laughs> I'll write you a doctor's note. Um, all right, my friend. Well, weekend movies, weekend entertainments. There's so many things that we want to talk about. Uh, let's get started. I guess we'll start off with this surprise piece uh, that uh, Top Gun Maverick is. I thought we was going to be back. Into, I thought it was going to be on the streams. No, it's back in the theater. What? Yep, it is back in the theater starting today for the next two weeks because it's to promote that it'll be showing up on Paramount Plus December 21st. Also, because, frankly, everything else in the theaters has been tanking, and, and, and Paramount's like, dude, we could probably make a little extra money. We can promote it's going to be on Paramount Plus. Oh, 
And there's a little Oscar campaign going on right now. And I'm telling you, every day that goes by, I'm starting to think this thing's getting nominated for Best Picture. You re- Really? Top Gun yeah, is going to get nominated really for Best do. Picture. I really do. There are so many Oscar contenders that are absolutely falling apart and failing that I think this is going to sneak into the, into, the, into the Best Picture discussion. I really do. You know what? It's about time an everyday movie, non-artsy-fartsy picture movie made it into Best Picture. I mean, come on. Yeah, and that's part of the theory behind it. It's like, nobody's watching the Oscars, people. So why don't we nominate some movies that people like? Because it turns out, when you nominate movies that people have seen, they want to see if it wins. I, I'm i with you. I want to know if it wins. I mean, that may pick up the viewership. I mean, it may pick up the view. Oh, oh no. I mean, I'm lying. I'm still not going to watch it. But, you know, uh, it'll make but it interesting. somebody will. Yeah. Somebody okay. Will. So they're trying to get that Oscar nod. That's why they're bringing it back to the theater. I think so. And to promote that it's going to be on Paramount Plus starting December 21st. Well, I'll be watching it on December 22nd. December 21st. I'm telling you. Oh, it's worth it. It's worth it. December 21st (laughs) is the first day of my vacation. So I will be watching it on December 22nd, I guarantee you. And in full surround sound with the the subwoofers and everything going. Okay. Um, All right. How about uh, Scarlett Johansson reprising her role? No, not really. But reprising a role in a movie that she's already starred in. This is weird. Yeah, this is kind of weird. This is a little different. So so Scarlett Johansson is heading to Amazon Prime. She is going to star in a new series. Now, it's a series called Just Cause. And back in 1995, there was a movie called Just Cause that starred Sean Connery and little Scarlett Johansson. Yes, she was just a <laughs> child playing his daughter at the time. And uh, now they're going to bring out the Just Cause uh, series on Amazon. And she's going to play a character, but not the baby not the kid that she played in the original movie although i think that would have been kind of cool but it's still kind of the same idea the same storyline because uh, it's based on on a book that that uh, the movie was based on now the series is going to be based on where she plays a reporter who is uh, who really honestly believes that a death row inmate's innocent plea during the last days leading up to his execution is real and is going to fight and try to uh, try to save him so this is kind of they gender swapped it. So she's going to be playing the Sean Connery role. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So again, a remake. <laughs> remake. I. Well, but you just I, have her be the kid. I know. Just I, please. That would know? be kind of cool to say. You know, her dad faced something very similar back in the day, and here's you know. But that's right. And, and she could be fighting like, you know, the young cops who all felt that, you know, they they were right. And they they were they were they were they were they were uh, blamed for everything. And they want their revenge. And come on, there could be a whole thing going on. Here. Yeah. No. We've just written a better series that they will write. Yeah. And then they could call it the just cause. You know what I mean? I mean, it would be, fun, you know, <laughs> another uh, just yeah. cause. When's that coming out on uh, Amazon Prime? Uh, you know, they haven't really said yet. So we're probably looking around summertime or in the late fall. Okay. Speaking of remakes, oh, God, can we please? Um, this one breaks my heart. Easy, yep, go ahead. Easy Rider. I mean, how can you remake Easy Rider? This is the dumbest idea I have ever heard in my entire life. So there are a number of people and, and entities that own the rights to Easy Rider. And they've decided that they want to reboot Easy Rider for a new generation. They want to, quote, and this 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 kills me here. They want to quote 
build upon the counterculture and freedom narrative the original left us with, then you don't understand the counterculture and freedom narrative yeah. of the original. Yeah, that's okay. Not, that's not, this is like antithetical to the whole theme of the movie, right? Exactly. I mean, exactly. You know, and, and the thing that gets me to is, you know, you have to understand that the role of Easy Rider in Hollywood history, okay, it, it changed cinema in so many ways. It unleashed the 1970s cinema that you saw with Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola and Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. I mean, it, it, it really did in so many ways change what people were looking for in movies and what they were being delivered in movies. It made them so much more real than they were before that. Right. And, and, and to try to, you can't capture the zeitgeist again. You just can't. Yeah. Well, again, my friend, I know that you and I complain about this almost every week. But why? Why can't we come up with a new idea, even if it's a retelling of Easy Rider in a different way? You know what I mean? Just don't just don't. They're they're going to they're trying to play. They're trying to cash in on the name, the story, the everything else, the, the, the spectacle of it. You know, just write another Easy Rider script that's loosely based on the first one and modernize it and do that. You know, yeah, and call it some fine. call it something different. You know, I mean, retell the story in a different way, but the same movies over and over. And... Yeah. Sorry, I'll get off my. Well, no, box. that's OK. I'm going to tell you how you remake a movie in a new and interesting fashion. Yeah. my friends. How do you do it? That would be the remake of Bambi that is coming your way. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. This <laughs> is so demented that, that it's it's got it's got to work. So. You remember there's a movie called Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, coming right. out on Valentine's Day weekend. And uh, you know, it, it's, it's where Winnie the Pooh and Piglet have gone feral and are hunting to live because nobody's been feeding them in the 100-acre woods. Right, right. Well, there's another, and, and they're, they're getting away with this because the, the characters were created in, in another story years and years ago. Matter of fact, over 95 years ago, which means they're now in the public domain and you can do whatever you want with them. Right. Well, Bambi is also entering the public domain. And the people who made the, uh, made the Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey movie have come up with their, their follow-up, Bambi. The Reckoning. The Reckoning. Okay. <laughs> Bambi what? wants revenge, people. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I would watch it just for the giggle factor. Uh, what? What uh, is there a storyline here, or do we know anything Yo, yet? All we know is Bambi wants revenge and is, is, is stalking the woods looking for anybody. That's hunting. There's probably some executive <laughs> at Disney that's like pulling their hair out right now. Like, oh, oh they, I, they you know. hate this. They hate this. And and matter of fact, it used to be a shorter period of time before your characters entered the public domain. And Disney like kept, you know, basically going to Congress and, and asking for this to be extended and extended and extended. And finally, it got to 95 years and everybody went, come on. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's long enough. Yeah, it's long enough. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, like I said, I'd watch it just for the giggle factor. Uh, okay. Um, how about, oh, Jay Leno. I saw the pictures of his face and it was, yeah, that's a pretty, we were joking about, I hope he still has the chin. And unfortunately, we didn't, hadn't seen the pictures yet. I mean, he he got some bad juju on his chin there. I mean, that's a it was a bad bad burn. Yeah, he 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 got burned pretty badly. I mean, those are third degree burns, and they're going to take a long time to heal. Uh, there were skin grafts that were that were used to try to you know help him out here. And uh, you know you got to love Jay Leno. You know here he is 
a couple weeks after going through a horrific, horrific incident, and he's back on the comedy stage. Yeah. He, he, uh, he over the weekend he went back to the Hermosa Beach Comedy and Magic Club. He does a, a weekly gig there, uh, you know, to, to test out new material and stay fresh and be on the stage. And you know, and he he went down there, and uh, when he was parking his car, he hit a police car twice yeah once while he's backing up and then he tries to fix it and hits it again and so now he's making jokes about that and his accident right yeah so i mean like his entire act was the cops and the, the and 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 really bad jokes about the the burn incident okay i'm not gonna lie but this is what really gets me what really gets me is like he gets out he's like yo officers i'm really sorry i mean did i hit your car they're like you know you can just go we'll figure it out later <laughs> we know you're doing stage just go, yeah, just go. who else on the planet can get away with that i know there'd be like mr dukes we're gonna read you your rights here and we're gonna yeah, do, exactly. we're gonna do a body cavity search before we put you in the vehicle for breaking our taillight uh, Hit the ground yeah, now <laughs> exactly uh all right well we've only got about uh, four and a half minutes here so oh, i, okay. I want to stick to just two of the movies i want to start off with willow this is a classic okay. and i love i love um I, I loved the movie when I was growing up. Give me a, a rerun here of what this new sequel to the 1988 film. Yeah, and it is a follow-up to that. It's about 20 years later. Uh, we find out that the, the new princess has been betrothed to a man that she hates, and she wants to make a getaway, but she must join forces with him and others to because her brother, the prince, has been kidnapped. He's been kidnapped by evil forces, and uh, this group sets out to try to find him, and the man who will help them find him is Willow. Wait, I've heard the plot to this movie. This is Princess Bride. I mean, this is... <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot like that, okay? <laughs> I will say this. It captures the spirit of the original pretty well. I mean, it, there there are some moments where it wants to be traditional, and it should be. Right. And then there's other times where it's trying to be much more hip, much more modern, try to have a little bit more attitude. I think there are times it crosses the line there, but most of the time it's refreshing. I'm going to say two and a half waffles. I think you got a solid series. Here. Okay. No Val Kilmer, though, unfortunately. No, he's the one person who's not there. Joanna Wally is in here. Uh, Warwick Davis is in here. And then uh, you have a bunch of new young kids with a lot of hair product that, that, that are in the show, too. <laughs> a lot yeah. of hair product. Yeah. Uh, all right. The one we've really been waiting for. Yeah, baby. Violent Night. Uh and I know people are rolling their eyes in the, on the radio right now, but this is the one. This is the Bad Santa uh, uh, movie where David Harbour plays Santa, who he is going to save the day with a vengeance. What? Give me the rundown yeah. here. I like to think of it as Bad Santa and Die Hard had a baby. And uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, you know, basically, Santa is a bitter, angry man. He's not really sure his heart's into, into a Christmas anymore, but he goes about his duties. And uh, he comes across a very wealthy family that has been kidnapped by mercenaries. And there's a little girl, the last little girl who truly believes in Santa Claus. And he decides that he has to save her with a vengeance. Oh, my God. The trailers for this movie are so good. So you'll have to tell me because now you've seen it. Uh, how does it compare to the, uh, I mean, how do the trailers, I mean, it, how? tell me about it, Willie. How good is it? It's hilarious. It's so hilarious. I mean, you have to, you have to have a twisted, warped mind 
to truly enjoy this movie. I will not lie there. If you're looking for a traditional Christmas movie, dude, like do anything but see Violent Night. I mean, this is really about you know a wise cracking. I mean, I when I say Die Hard, I really mean it. You know, like like he's the wise cracking guy who's running through the mansion, taking out mercenaries one by one by one, <laughs> and and there's even a little bit of Home Alone action in here because. The little kid saw the movie right before the holidays and oh. wants to try it out. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Come on by. We'll have a few laughs. It's Die Hard. I love it so much. Uh, I mean, this movie just looks hysterical. I could really use a laugh come Christmas time. Uh, you know, I mean, we watch some comedy movies, some Christmas vacation and stuff like that. But this looks epic. Uh, give me a negative one to four waffle scale roll here. Where are we at? I am at three and a half waffles right now. You know, oh. and I think it's because David Harbor is just perfect. David Harbor is absolutely fantastic as just the fed up cranky Santa in every single way. And of course, this isn't like Citizen Kane. They're not looking for an Oscar. No. Here. They're just looking no. to have fun and make a good movie. And you know what? Santa is going to save the day, baby. Santa is going to save the day. I can't wait to watch it. So where is it available? Is it uh, it's, so it's in theaters? You got it in theaters. You got it in theaters right now. Now, you know, I don't think this would happen, but some movies did so badly over Thanksgiving that they're going straight to premium video on demand, like on December 13th. Oh, wow. And, and I don't see that happening with this movie, but maybe cross your fingers, although I think it's going to do too well. You, you, you may have to venture out to a theater to see this in time for the holidays. That's a bummer. I kind of I wanted to watch it at home. I'm getting spoiled, Willie. Yeah. I don't even, even want to go to the movies anymore. It's Well, and, you know, there are plenty of people joining you. I mean, you know, I, you know we were talking, uh, you know, a couple friends of mine in the business, you know, the Fablemans, the big Steven Spielberg Oscar contender. Yeah. Tanked. It tanked at the uh, box office. Yeah. It did so badly. It's going to premium video on demand December 13th. I mean, this yeah. this is happening with all the Oscar contenders. Uh, Willie Waffle, WaffleMovies.com. Folks, we're out of time Monday. Rob Myers, Senator Rob Myers will be joining us. Have a great weekend. Be kind, love one another, live well. That... Um, I, and I wonder how much the movie, I mean, I wonder how much this is going to change. I know that AMC and some of the other theaters are, I mean, they're really branching out their wings now. They're doing Zoom conferences for big businesses and, of course, the live you know, theater shows being transmitted across the country and concerts and stuff because they're desperate. They're looking for anything to fill their seats because... It's it hasn't recovered. I'm not sure that it will ever recover from COVID lockdowns to the pre-COVID uh, numbers. People spent all that money that they would have spent on vacations or going out. They rebuilt their home theaters. They built entertainment rooms. They did all this other kind of stuff. And they've gotten used to watching binging Breaking Bad in their underwear on their couch. And they just mm -hmm. I just don't think they feel like going out. No, I completely agree. I think that 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 you know this is something you and I have been talking about, especially um, after COVID. The the idea that you're going to have your big blockbuster must see movies in the theater. You know, you're going to have your Marvel movies. You're going to have something like Violent Night. You're going to have, uh, you know, the action films, the superhero movies, the Star Wars movies. But most films, people now 
are willing to wait and they want to see it at home. And, and that especially is true with a lot of these like mid range dramas. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to keep hanging my hat on the, the Fablemans. It's a Steven Spielberg movie. It's a front runner for best picture at the Oscars. And nobody wanted to see it. The audience that would be eating this movie up just said, you know what? I can wait. Yeah. I don't need to go to the theaters. And so they, they've lost an entire audience. They, they've really lost. Uh, I think they've really lost the audience 35 plus in, in yeah. every single way that you can imagine. And, and uh, you know, I, I think it's because, you know, we now expect these movies to be available at home. How, how many of these mid range kind of dramas are playing first on Netflix? Uh, you know, right, how many right. of them are, are first going to Hulu? They're for, you know, so so even the idea of having an event uh, prestige movie, I just don't know if that's going to happen anymore. Uh, you know, the, the one movie that really surprised me and, and AMC actually is a little upset about this. They had agreed to show the new Netflix uh, Knives Out Glass Onion movie for one week during the Thanksgiving holiday. Right. And they only they only did it in 600 theaters. And it did a ton of business and, and they are just kicking themselves because they think they could have made a ton more money on it. And Netflix is like, well, you know, it's going to premiere here on December 23rd and all those people are telling their friends and we're going to do just fine. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it's a really good movie. Yeah. Oh, have you seen it? Is it really? Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I've seen it. It, it, it. it is so much fun and it is so goofy and it is such a good mystery. And, and it really, I mean, I think the first one was better, but this one was pretty good too. Yeah. Well, I got to be honest. Um, I haven't been to the movies in, uh, it's probably been close to four years. Since I've yeah. been since I've been in a movie theater watching a movie, and I think it was a Marvel movie because I, you know, some of those you're just like, oh, I gotta see it in a hundred and twenty foot screen. You know, you got to yep. experience it that way. But yeah, pretty much anything else, I'm okay if it's a drama, if it's a comedy, if it's a rom com, whatever. I only want to see science fiction and big action blockbusters on the big screen. And quite honestly. I didn't go see Spider-Man. I didn't go see Cat. I didn't see Top Gun. I had the opportunity. I was just like, eh, eh, eh. and now I'm like, okay, I can watch them all at home now. And, yeah. and, you know, it's just, it's just a change. It's just a total change. And I'm sure that I'm not alone. No, you're not, you're not alone. And, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I think the movie theaters have to really do some soul searching, you know, do they truly want people to come back? Uh, it, that is going to require something, some sort of attraction, something new, something special that will make people want to come out when it's not the superhero movie. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know what, what else is left oh, in the bag I, of tricks. I've got an idea. How about, okay. how about smell-o-vision? I mean, I think that. <laughs> well, you know, we've already tried booze at the, at the theater. So we're, we're already doing that. Uh, you know, we've already got the comfy seats. Yeah. Uh, you know, it'd be nice if the bathrooms were cleaner. Yeah. Um, you know, especially after a pandemic. Uh, yeah. so that, I mean, you know, I, I don't know what else is left. I mean, yeah, there's been the idea of the 4D, the idea that you can you can you can imprint upon people temperature and feeling in the theaters and yet a little bit yeah. of smell of vision yeah. in that too. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if that's, that's going to be the magic yeah. ticket. I, I just don't know. don't know. And for those of you who don't know, they actually tried smell of vision in the seventies, yeah. I think. And it was an utter flop. But of course now they're finding with marketing campaigns and everything else that smell is a huge deal. Um, Dunkin' Donuts had a ad campaign in Japan that basically smelled like fresh baked 
cookies and coffee on the subway train every time this ad would pop up to one of their big screens it says it's time for dunkin donuts and it would smell like fresh coffee and and it, it was it was gonzo it was gangbuster so it can be done the technology is there now but i mean it's gonna have to be something spectacular i you know and yeah. whether you know maybe they put them all in a dark room with no screen and give them all vr goggles you know i don't know I, you know what, what is it going to take yeah, I, I don't know. I think that there's a lot of a lot of Hollywood executives and uh, and movie theater executives trying to figure it out. Yeah, because right now, I mean, like, hey, what's the hottest movie next week? The hottest movie next week is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. It's yeah. going straight to Netflix. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, they're not even going to. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what people are looking at. You know, uh, what was the hottest the hottest thing over the the hottest thing over the Thanksgiving holiday? was a mix of netflix the wednesday adams series yep. and uh, on disney plus the guardians of the galaxy christmas special yeah i can see those at home right now yeah right now yeah. don't have to wait we'll have to hear about wednesday next week my wife has already been watching it and then she stopped she said i'm gonna stop watching this you gotta watch this with me so uh we'll have to get your take on it next week and uh whatever else we come up with so yeah at least pinocchio at least pinocchio <laughs> all right thank you my friend as always it's great to talk with you Hey, you got it, man. Talk next week. All right, folks. We ran over time, but that's okay. It's Friday. It's the weekend. Take the day off. You deserve it. I mean, if you can get away with it. We will see you on Monday with Rob Myers, Senator Rob Myers. Thanks for coming in. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense Radio.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.